You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 616, The Superboy Chronicles, Superboy No More. Welcome to episode 616 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy Lad. Yes. Um, or I could be The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. It's all in how you look at it. At any rate, um, I'm on vacation right now. Well, not technically right now, but I'm very close to it. And uh, as such... Um, I'm uh, putting out uh, I'm putting out a Superboy episode, and that's okay because this one we cover two parts. All right, so um, I won't start off with Legion news because I actually, as of this recording, have not yet read the uh, uh, the latest issue. And besides that, I don't want to get into talking about it until all the all the kids are here. And um, and also, I'm going to refrain from uh, from feedback this week. Although I got a couple of excellent bits of feedback, but they will hold until uh, until I'm back with all the guys because I I like them to hear what you guys have to say as well. And I know they're not listening to a Superboy uh, episode, but don't be like them. Be like you. Be here for the Superboy episode. So we um, are going to get right into it. And uh, so it is first part is in issue number 40 of the new adventures of superboy from april 1983 that's right uh, a long long time ago and um the cover has basically it's got uh, the billboard you know sort of the uh smallville uh, billboard that has the logo on it the new adventures of superboy and it says welcome to smallville home of superboy but they've painted over home of superboy with a red x and the guy from smallville signs incorporated is um putting up uh, a piece of paper that says watch this space in front of that we see um clark kent um Holding his, I'm not sure if he's pulling it down or, you know, as though he's changing back to Clark from having been Superboy. Uh, but he has a tear in his eye with his glasses on and uh, he's pulling the sweater back down over the um, Superboy shirt. Um, and yeah, so it's very sad. It's very sad. Uh, this uh, cover is by Howard Bender and Dick Giordano. All right, so we get into the issue now. Now, what? Oh, sorry. What I was going to say about this cover is it's very evocative um, of the um, uh, the cover of uh, Spider Amazing Spider Man. I believe it was number fifty, where they do the Spider Man no more. And um, but yeah. Anyway, so so you, you can see where where there's something similar. Let me put it this way: when I went to the title to check the title for this episode. I was not surprised that the uh, that the title was uh, Superboy No More. All right, so we start off on the uh, splash page, you know, and I feel like like this is one of those stories that feels like we've been here before, right? And um, and I, I was actually looking through uh, the tag on the website, which is uh, Legion of Substitute Podcasters com, and there's a Superboy Chronicles tag cloud uh, near the top, and. Um, at least it will be near the top by the time you hear this. 
um, because somehow it got pushed way down at the bottom under underneath all of the calendar finds. So um, anyway, um, yeah, like I was looking through, and uh, and maybe it's a little further back. Um, maybe it was the Outlaw Kryptonians from issues twenty seven and twenty eight. It could have been. It, it always feels like you know oh, this is it. This is it. He's, uh, you know, for the, all those people upset about the uh, the secret identity being gone again, um, is the point that it is gone again. And it's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last time. So um, this story is brought to us by Paul Kupperberg, writer. Kurt Schaffenberger is the penciler. Joe Giella is the inker. Uh, I've gotten very used to it being uh, Dave Hunt on this book, but I actually quite like uh, uh, Giella's line on this. It's good. Uh, ben Oda is the letterer. Uh, Serpe is the colorist. I can only assume they mean Jerry Serpe. I think everybody's going for that one name thing. And, of course, the editor is Julius Schwartz. Don't know if you've heard of him. All right, so um, Superboy's flying uh, off uh, from the Earth uh, up to to encounter some spaceships. There's one, two, three, four of them, and he says, it's "Good, hap- good thing I happened to look way up, or nobody would have spotted this fleet of alien spacecraft parked in Earth orbit, obviously employing anti-detection shields to prevent radar or observation satellites from sensing their presence. They could be friendly, but if that's the case, why are they going to such trouble to keep their appearance secret?" Well, you saw them. Uh, Anyway, we're willing to bet, dear reader, that you think there could be nothing better in the universe than to be Superboy with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Then again, did you ever think that being the Teen of Steel isn't all it's cracked up to be? Maybe being a Superboy means having super problems so great that you would decide, after all, to be Superboy, again, a red X through it, no more. All right, so uh, he, he's, he thinks, uh, still, still, I don't want to be too hasty. Uh, just because they're concealing their presence here doesn't necessarily mean they're hostile. Let's see what their first move, signs of activity. They're firing high-intensity radiation can- canisters at me. So much for a friendly reception. The radiation is starting to sting me. Hmm, that's interesting. Maybe at this point his powers weren't as firmly developed because, of course, these are the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Take a drink. All right, so uh, he says, uh, before it gets any worse, I'll deactivate the uh, canisters with my super fists and heat vision. And then he says, I'll pulverize the last one, huh? Being pulled away by a tractor beam. I could easily pull, pull free, but why waste energy smashing into their ships when they've gone through so much trouble to invite me in? So they get there, and we've got a couple of aliens in green jumpsuits, and um, the one guy says, uh, Greetings, Superboy. Kindly lower your appendages. We come in peace. Please acknowledge communication. He says, Oh, I receive you all right. But how can you call launching radioactive weapons canisters at me peaceful? You misunderstand their purpose. They were harmless planetary probes. We regret having to employ the tractor beam on your personage, but we knew of no other means from stopping you uh, to stopping you uh, from destroying the final probe. It says, I've been scanning your ships with my X-ray vision. I don't see a single thing that could be used as a weapon. Evidently, you are telling the truth. We understand your position, Superboy. Yes, we have even heard of you on our world. Um, it's H-J-L-L-N, for those of you keeping track. Uh, you were merely protecting your Earth. I am called Null, commander of this peaceful exploration mission of inhabited worlds from the uh, Vagart uh, galaxy. 
I wonder if Copperberg just kind of leaned his fingers on the typewriter to come up with these names. Um, but could be wrong. Um, you know, I often, I can remember as a kid reading this and thinking, I wonder if that's like a code. Couldn't find anything. Anyway. Um, indeed, it was worth the expenditure of the probes for the opportunity to witness you in action. You have added immeasurably to our data on the different races of the universe. And he says, well, I'm glad Superboy's like, well, I'm glad there was no real harm done. If you don't mind, I will be keeping an eye on you while you're in this space sector. <clears throat> and the uh, and Noel says, of course, one may never be too careful when one's planet is involved. Farewell, then. And he thinks, foolish human. Well, that can't be good. Uh, so, Commander Noel, what is your opinion on Superboy now, says one of the um, other aliens. He says, uh, far worse than initial reports indicated. We correctly assumed that the Kryptonian would react as if attacked by the launching of our probes, but we did not reckon how effortlessly he might render them into worthless debris. The probe sensors relayed the results of its attack to our computers, indicating we possess nothing in our weapon system capable of defeating him. And, um... All right, so Superboy, in the meantime, is uh, flying back into uh, the window at 321 Maple Street, which is, of course, the Kent household. Um, he says, it's sure nice to find that a peaceful alien race exists in this universe. I'd hate to have to fight every alien culture that passes through the solar system. At least that's one thing I don't have to worry about, unlike having to worry about using super speed into the house so nobody sees Superboy coming home. And uh, Martha's in there putting some sheets in the drawer. She says, oh, land sake, son, you startled me. And he says, sorry, Ma, I didn't realize you were here. Um, and she says, well, I suppose I should be used to your super comings and goings by now. After all, I've had years of experience watching you. How did your patrol go today, she asks. And he says, great. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't believe who I just met about 300 miles straight up in space. She goes, oh, another alien race? My word, there certainly seems to be a lot of them, doesn't there? And uh, he laughs, and um, and he says, Did you hear what you just said, Ma? Who'd ever thought that you would accept people from another planet uh, coming to Earth as nothing special? And she says, Well, haven't I been raising one under my roof all these years? And as she says this, uh, Jonathan comes in and says, uh, and says, Good morning, and so begins another day in the Kent household. So after a hearty breakfast of Ma Kent's legendary hotcakes... Sounds a bit like Aunt May's wheat cakes, doesn't it? Just saying. Um, sees Clark off to school. All right, so Clark is walking to school with Flash Thompson. No, I'm sorry, with Pete Ross. That's right. Um, and Pete Ross says, I could hardly wait to tell you, Clark. Mary Lou has accepted my invitation to the school dance next week. Who are you taking? Yeah, gee, Pete, I don't know. I, I was going to ask Lana Lang, but Jack Harmon beat me to it. So I guess I'll just skip this one. He says, ah, come on, old buddy. Lana's not the only fish in the sea, you know? You could ask someone else. And uh, he says, I, gosh, I, I wouldn't know who. You're holding out on me, Clark. There must be someone in school you'd love to go with. You can tell me. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't mind taking Debbie, Debbie Wallach, I guess. Phew, you sure set your sights high. Debbie's the A1 most popular girl in Smallville High. Good luck. And he says, hey, I never said I was going to ask her. Besides, she's always dating jocks. She wouldn't give me a second look. And he says, well, there's only one way to find out, and here's your chance. There she is. And um, and so we see a few girls talking. Lana's one of them. There's a blonde girl next to her, a girl with dark hair, and a girl with brown hair. They're all sitting talking. All have different hair colors, just so we know who's who. 
Um, all right. Uh, so Clark says, but, but, and uh, Pete says, but me no buts, Clark. What are you, a man or a mouse? And Clark says, uh, would you believe squeak, squeak? And, uh, and Pete pushes him, says, get going. Okay, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask. But I know what she's going to say. No, you don't, man. Besides, which would you rather have, the possibility of a date with Debbie Wallach or the uncertainty of never knowing for sure? So Clark says, ah, here goes nothing. And Pete thinks, because we can't have a scene with Pete Ross where this doesn't come up at some point. Who would have ever believed it? There's a guy who can move mountains with his pinky and he's really afraid of asking a girl for a date. Chuckle. Um, editor's note from Julie. Uh, Pete Ross accidentally learned Superboy's secret identity some time ago and has kept the secret to himself ever since. Clark's thinking, how do I ever let myself get talked into these things? And Lana sees him and says hi. And he says, uh, morning, Lana. Um, uh, Debbie, uh, how, how are you? And she goes, well, if it isn't Clark Kent, I hear, uh, that is, Debbie, I was wondering if uh, uh, maybe you would uh, possibly want to, that is, what is it? Spit it out, Clarky, she says. This is the girl with the dark hair. Uh, he says, uh, uh, that is, let me take you to the dance. Or that is, I mean, you take me to the dance? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's the funniest thing I've heard all week. I mean, I have a, rep- a reputation, you know. Hmm. Um, and he says, f- forget I ever asked. And Lana is, uh, um, you know, she sticks up in her defense. She sticks up with him. She says, Debbie Wallach, you ought to be ashamed of yourself treating Clark that way. He was only trying to be nice. Please, Lana, what would people think if they saw me with that wimp? And the girl with the blonde hair is thinking, poor Clark, Debbie's so cruel. If only he'd asked me instead. Um, so after school, uh, Clark goes uh, to work at the uh, general store, the Kent general store, and he says, it was really, he's telling Pa about this, and he says, it was really embarrassing, Pa. I never thought anyone could be that heartless about someone else's feelings. And Pa says, I know it's rough, son, but as you get older, you'll see there are a lot of thoughtless people in the world. He says, I guess so, but it's even harder for me. I mean, the way I come across as Clark is just an act. I know I have to protect my secret identity, but why do I have to be the butt of everyone's jokes to do it? And uh, Jonathan says, it's not easy being special, Clark, because of the great responsibilities of your powers. Oh, there's that one. Uh, You have to pay a price. It's a hard lesson. But like the old saying goes, no good deed uh, goes unpunished. He says, you'll see that planer once you've... Oh, good afternoon, Lisa. And it's the blonde girl that we saw before. Um, uh, Good afternoon, Lisa. What can I do for you? And she says, hello, Mr. Kent, Clark. My mother sent me to uh, pick up a few things. Do do you suppose you could help me, Clark? Sure, Lisa. And uh, and (laughs) I love this. Uh, Jonathan, you know, he's got a smile on his face. He says, hmm. Clark's so caught up in feeling sorry for himself, he seems to be missing the fact that Lisa very obviously has a crush on him. And all of a sudden, Clark, uh, you know, basically uh, does a U-turn, says, uh, on second thought, could you do this, Pa? I just remembered an errand. I got to run for Ma. And, she's, uh, and Lisa's like, oh. And, um, and so Jonathan takes the shopping list and says, uh, so go, of course, Clark, go ahead. Now then, young lady, what do we hear? He says, poor Lisa. She thinks Clark's avoiding her. Even though I know he's probably spotted an emergency somewhere that requires the services of Superboy. And we see uh, Clark uh, changing into uh, into his super suit. And he says, better hurry, because my super hearing picked up an explosion outside of town. And thanks to my telescopic vision, I'm zeroing in on it. Great Krypton, that armored car is trapped on the bridge over Tyler's Ravine, dynamited to cause... Uh, 
the truck to plunge to the bottom so crooks could loot it. And uh, we see the crooks on the one side, and there's and half the bridge is blown away. Boom, boom, you moron. You were supposed to blow the bridge completely, not leave it hanging there, see? That one's for you, Al. Um, how was I supposed to know them cables was stronger than I thought, huh? Oh, no, Superboy. Yeah, see? Um, and uh, don't just stand there, shoot him. And he says, let's not argue now, boys. You'll have plenty of time to settle your differences in prison. And they... Kapow, bang, pow. And he says, really, you guys, haven't you heard bullets don't work with me? Uh, except they do tickle a little. Why don't you try eating a little dynamite then, punk? Oh, I now I get it. You're trying to give me heartburn, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, even if it can't hurt you, see? It could make those guys in the truck awful sorry they ever came into work today. And uh, he throws it to the truck and Superboy says, oh, no. And uh, they, they, they're, okay, guys, let's get out of here. He says, another explosion. The men in the truck will get a guided tour of the ravine bottom they never bargained for. He grabs the dynamite and uh, and basically, you know, covers up, covers it up so that it blows up harmlessly in his outfit. But the powerful concussion of it frays the cable that was supporting the old bridge. And so still the guys, are fo- the guys in the armored truck are following. And um, is Superboy help? And he, just think, he thinks, craters of Wegthor. Is that a thing? Anyway, he says, uh, no, the bridge is going down anyway. I don't believe how I'm messing this up. But thank goodness I can still pull this situation out of the category of total wreck with a little super speed and a game of catch. And he catches the uh, the armored car and sets it down. The guys in the um, in the truck, uh, they get out and the guy says, Wyatt, man, I never want to be that close again. You said it, Jack. If Superboy hadn't tried showing off with those bandits before grabbing the truck, this wouldn't have happened. Superboy thinks, oh, he's right. I was showing off when I should have seen that the truck was safely off the bridge before tackling the hijackers. I better nab those guys before anything else happens. But it may be too late for that, Superboy. That's right. As they walk along, as they ride, run, race along, um, there's a horse uh, just coming across, uh, about to cross the road. He says, oh, no, that's Sam Miller's land. They're escaping through. And there's Mr. Miller riding snap, smack dab into their way. Jumping jackrabbits, steady the Arnelli tries to hold to control the horse. And Superboy is like, "That's it. Those crooks have gotten farther and done more damage than they should have been able to, thanks to me. But that's a mistake I'm going to put a stop to." So he gets in front of it, and the truck hits him full on, and uh, out fly the, uh, the the crooks. He says, "See what you get? For you what you guys get for not wearing your seatbelts? No." can't remember when seatbelts became sort of standard um, standard equipment. Uh, that might have been um, that might have been after this. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, um, he says uh, so. Uh, he says uh, uh, he's got them tied up, and he goes, he goes, see that there? Now I've strapped you down real tight. Grown, it's bad enough we was caught. Do we got to listen to your bad jokes, too? He says, sure. That's the great thing about a captive audience. Now you fellows wait right there. I've got to check on something before we go visiting the local constabulary. Namely, Mr. Miller. He might have been hurt when his horse threw him. Oh, no. It's worse than I thought. I'm no doctor, sir, but my x-ray vision shows me your leg's broken. Ah, dang blasted leg. Hurts like the dickens. No way I'll ever be able to bring in my crops before they go bad. So later, Superboy flies home, and he's like, this has been about the worst day of my life. It was bad enough having Debbie laugh at me this morning, but the way I handled those crooks was, well, a a crime. I should have taken the job more seriously. 
At least I didn't just charge into the house a Superboy without first checking to see if Maz got visitors. Although the way the day's been, grow- been going, I'm surprised I didn't just blow my secret identity as well. So he changes quickly in the bushes and uh, makes his way in the house. And uh, afternoon, Ma, ladies, and the girls are all, uh, Martha and the girls are all sitting around the, um, the table uh, playing cards. And uh, hello, Clark, how was your day? One of the girls says, my, my, you have such a nice boy, Martha. I bet you're so proud of him. Well, yes, Sadie, of course. Who wouldn't be proud to have for a son the one and only Superboy? And Clark's like, what? Um, And he walks into the room and she's, yes, indeed. It does my heart good to know my boy's out there helping folks in trouble. You're Clark, Superboy? Martha, I, I, I can't believe... Uh, or, uh, you know what a swell sense of humor Ma has, Mrs. Perkins. She's only kidding, right, Ma? Now you just stop being so modest, Clark. I think you cut quite the dashing figure in your costume flying about like that. Why don't you show, gee, Ma, quit joshing. These ladies are going to start to think you're serious. Well, I am, son, and I don't care who knows it. Oh, are, are you leaving so soon, ladies? Uh, yes, well, Martha, I have dinner to prepare and all. Yes, thank you for the lovely afternoon. So they leave. And uh, one of the women says, um, imagine Martha expecting us to believe her Clark is Superboy. Why, anyone who knows him knows that's ridiculous. Yeah, Clark's a nice boy, but so meek. Poor Martha. It must be wishful thinking on her part. And we go back in and Clark's talking to, uh, to Martha. Ma, how in the world could you do that? What if one of them believed you? Why shouldn't I want to brag about you, Clark? You make me so proud. I might as well get started with dinner. I, I don't believe it. Ma's flipping out. I don't. I doubt anyone will believe her, but she ought to know better than to, than to even kid about it. Gosh, is this what my being Superboy is doing to her? And we go back up to the uh, alien spacecraft. Uh, Commander Null, we have been continuing our observation of Superboy, as he is indeed as powerful and, uh, as all reports indicate, virtually unstoppable. Then before we proceed, we must find a method of countering that situation. But how? I know of no weapon system that might do that, and the fate of our world depends on the success of this mission. Then perhaps I have that answer, Commander. Although we cannot slay or imprison the youth, we still might be able to have him join our side, quite against his will. So we go back to the uh, general store, and uh, Clark's telling Pa about what what just happened at the house. And uh, Jonathan says, You mean she just blurted out your secret, Clark? Worse than that, Pa. Ma was just as calm as you, as you, as you, uh, Worse than that, Pa, Ma was just as calm as you please, bragging about my super exploits, and she wouldn't stop. Jehoshaphat, that's not like your Ma at all. She knows better than that. He says, well, maybe keeping my identity a secret's gotten to be too much for her to handle. All the other moms have something to boast about, but everyone knows Clark Kent is a, a wimp, while Superboy is, well, super. And uh, Jonathan says, this is serious, son. I'd better go home and look after Ma before she talks to anyone else. He says, thanks, Pa, this is one job I don't know how to handle. Um, and so we get, um, as, as, so John, Jonathan goes home and, uh, Clark takes a walk around, uh, the streets, uh, just thinking through his troubles and there's a bunch of kids playing basketball and he says, maybe I'll wake up soon and find out this has all been a nightmare. I can't believe that absolutely nothing's gone right today. And it's all because of Superboy. And we see Brian Thomas, whose mom was at the card game this, that afternoon. Hey, hey, if it isn't Clark Kent, or should I call you a Superboy? Ha, 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 ha. He says, Brian, he thinks, Brian Thomas, his mother was at the card game this afternoon. See, told you. Uh, he says, did I hear right, Kent? Your mother thinks you're Superboy? Listen, Brian, I don't want any trouble. Then why don't you just fly away, Superboy? Ha, huh? your mom must be nuts if she thinks you're anything but a nerd. 
And he says, you watch it, Buster. That's my mother you're talking about. Ooh, please, Mr. Superboy, don't hurt me with your mighty super strength. And he holds, grabs Clark by the uh, scruff of his uh, sweater. He says, nah, you wouldn't do that, would you, Superboy? Of course not. You're a good guy, right? I wonder what it'd be like to beat up on Superboy. Ha, ha, ha. And Clark thinks, that's it. I've had enough of this abuse. And he punches him out. He says, I don't like your big mouth, Brian, so I'll shut it for you. Maybe I'm not Superboy, but I don't have to be to flatten you. Crack. Anyone else want to hassle me? I'm not taking guff from anyone anymore. Understand? Uh, uh, no, Clark. Uh, we, we, we were only kidding. And they kind of pick up Brian and off they go with him. Um, well, kid around with someone else from now on. Clark Kent's nobody's fool. Not real, but that felt good. That's the way I should have been dealing with wise guys like Brian from the very start. After all, just because I'm Superboy doesn't mean I have to suffer for it. Face it, friend, it's not worth the aggravation. Everything's gone wrong for me, all because of Superboy. This is the last time I'm ever going to uncover this costume. No, on second thought, I don't ever want to see it again. He takes it off at super speed, puts his other stuff back on, and he throws it into the, into the sky. He says, I'll get rid of it for good, right along with all the misery. I'll never have to listen to people ridiculing me again. Never have to worry about Mar Pa getting hurt or unhinged because they have to pretend I'm Superboy. I'm so inadequate. Superboy is gone. And now, and, and he yells out loud. And from now on, Clark Kent is going to live for himself. Is he? Find out next issue when our hero becomes the Boy of Steel. For real. On sale, February 24th. It's a date. But you know what, folks? You don't have to wait that long. That's right. We're going to go straight into it. That's what we're going to do. Well, I mean, close to straight into it because, you know, I, I have to, op- you know, open the book, you know, all that stuff, right? And uh, But we're, we're going to get right into it. Right into it. And uh, so, New Adventures of Superboy, issue number 41. This one has one of those awesome um, uh, marker-inked... Um, covers by Gil Kane. And um, now the alien on it looks nothing like the aliens that we saw before. I mean, there's some similarities, but it almost sounds like they were described and, uh, you know, no reference was sent. Anyway, so this one, uh, cover date, May of 1983. And um, once again... Um, it says now he's the boy of steel for real. We have one of the, an alien looking over, uh, Superboy's shoulders. He x-ray visions his arms and there's, they're like robot arms. That's right. Crazy. All right. So once again, this issue is brought to us by writer Paul Kupperberg, artist Kurt Schaffenberger and Joe Giella. Um, letterer Ben Oda, colorist Jerry Serpe, who was using his first name again, and editor Julius Schwartz. Um, all right, so in this one, we actually get one of those. Oh, no, see, they, it's interesting. They, they've done splash pages in these two issues that feel like the ones they used to do where they would have like a splash page that is part of what comes up in the story later. But these ones, although it, in both cases they resemble that, they are actually, um, you know, we are joining the story directly, as they say. All right, so um, Clark's walking down the street. And there's a bank robbery happening across the street. People blam, blam, blamming and, uh, you know, crossfire with Chief Parker. And um, and um, Clark's not doing anything. And, and uh, Jonathan says, jump at Jehoshaphat, Clark. What are you waiting for? That bank guard needs your help. That's not Chief Parker at all. Um, he says, "These those holdup men are going to get clean away if you don't lend a hand to Superboy. And he says, sorry, Pa. But the guard's on his own. I spent enough time running my life as Clark Kent. 
to play, uh, ruining my life as Clark Kent to play the hero. The police will have to handle this. There's, uh, as of the other day, there's no longer a Superboy. It used to be that Smallville was just another town until that day some 14 years ago when a rocket from the distant planet Krypton landed there. Is it that long? Okay. Um, or, or, yeah, I think it's longer than that, but anyway. Um, from that time on, Smallville's place in history was assured as the home of Superboy. But now the Smallville sensation is quit, and if you think that's a big change, wait till he becomes the Teen of Steel for real. Um, uh, Jonathan says, you can't be serious, son. Your powers bring a great responsibility. There it is again. Um, you can't just deny that now. That's what I used to think too, Pa, until I realized what a sap I've been. What's gotten into you? Lives are in danger from those crooks and you can stop them. You owe people that. I could stop them in less than a second, but I won't. Folks got along just fine for thousands of years before there was a Superboy, and they'll survive on their own without my help. See? And the police uh, managed to stop the car. They don't really need me, Pa. They don't need me, Pa. Not really. So why should I give up a normal life for nothing? Try and relax, Pa. You'll see I'm right. Jonathan thinks, no, I won't, and I can't help but worry. He's been acting mighty odd for the last few days, and it's been at least that long since anybody's seen Superboy in action. Ever since things started going sour for him, I suppose it began when Clark was rudely snubbed by that Debbie Wallet girl when he asked her to the school dance. And then there was the incident at Tyler's Ravine where some men trying to rob an armored car nearly caused a fatal accident and an innocent bystander was injured because Superboy didn't act fast enough and made a few mistakes in the handling of the situation. But the final straw was when Clark got home and heard Ma blurt out his secret identity to her friends bragging about his accomplishments. Of course, all these events took place last issue. Uh, the boy's convinced the strain of keeping his secret all these years has finally unhinged, Martha, and he blames all his troubles on being Superboy. But I never thought Clark would quit so easily. And Pete is standing behind a wall, and he's looking, and he's like, weird, Clark was right there. But he just stood by and watched the crooks almost get away without even trying to switch to Superboy. It, it doesn't make any sense. Pete Ross accidentally learned Superboy's secret identity years ago and has kept the secret to himself ever since. Julie. But then again, after what I saw him do the other day, I guess that it does it that. Clark ran into an alleyway all angry-like and thinking nobody was watching, took off his costume and then threw it away, yelling he wasn't going to be Superboy anymore. Pete's always there right when he needs to be, isn't he? I was able to find the costume in a cow pasture outside of town where it landed, and I'm going to hold on to it in case Clark ever wants it back, if Clark ever wants it back. So we go back out to uh, the spaceship. I have good news to report, Commander Null. We have devised a way to make certain Superboy cannot interfere with our plans. I am gratified to hear that, Science Officer Vert. Report. As we ascertained through tests, Superboy is far too powerful for any of our weapons to defeat. However, Commander, we need not destroy him to ensure our success. Indeed, we may actually be able to make Superboy do our bidding. Our plan is to, sum, uh, to summon a superweapon from our homeworld, Hajulun, via a space warp connecting us to, with Earth. A weapon we will then fire through a second warp near Earth to destroy Timoth, our enemy's planet. Thus do we avoid the risk of losing a battle against our foes' superior numbers. Yet before this can be accomplished, Earth must first be secured, an impossible feat with Superboy there to protect it. Thus I have calculated what the Earth youth will be that the Earth youth will be susceptible to a scientific development of ours, one capable of turning organic matter into metallic substances. The technical aspects aside, we possess the means to transfer Superboy into a veritable human robot, one open to our every command. Excellent. Whatever means it will take to, uh, to make Earth ours must be used, and I certainly won't balk at one that will make, will make the most powerful being in the universe our pawn as well. 
So the next day we see uh, Clark and Lana walking to school and she says, don't you find it strange that nobody's seen Superboy for days, Clark? I guess so, Lana. Maybe he got fed up being bothered all the time. Clark Kent, how can you even think about such a rotten thing about Super... Uh, hey, Lana, look who's there. Debbie Wallach. You're impossible. Wasn't being laughed at her by uh, her once this week enough for you? Um, well, we'll uh, see, ju- see just how much she laughs this time. Wait up, Debbie, I want to ask you something. Lana thinks, oh, brother. She says, what do you want now, Clark? I'm in a hurry. You changed your mind about me taking you to the dance Friday? Don't be dense. Of course I haven't. Considering the cap- captain of the football team's already asked me, I can't think of a single reason I'd want to go with you. Can you? And he says, well, maybe just one. And he grabs her and drops his books and uh, gives her a big, lands a big smooch on her. Says, what do you say now, Debbie? Uh, wh- wow. Pick me up at 7.30. 7 o'clock. Whatever you say, Clark. See you then, kiddo. Um, and she, and uh, the, the brown-haired girl says, Debbie, how could you even think about going out with, yuck, Clark Kent? He's such a, a, a nerd. Maybe, Suzanne, but for a nerd, he's sure some super kisser. Meanwhile, poor Lisa's upset. She thinks, oh, Clark, I, I never thought you were like, sob, those other boys. By noon of that day, all of Smallville High is abuzz with gossip about the change in the formerly shy, retiring Clark Kent. But little do the gossipers realize that the changes have just begun to make themselves known. And we see the football team practicing. All right, you clown, says the coach. You're supposed to be a football team. Let's see some action. He says, well, that's what I'm here to give you, Coach Reeves. Oh, that's cute. Uh, Kent in a football uniform. What kind of joke is this? No joke, coach. I want to try out for the team. Come on, Kent. This is serious stuff. I don't have time to play around with you. Who put you up to this? I am serious. You have to give me a chance. Coach Reeves can only sigh and really, really nod his head. And so he thinks, I ought to have my head examined. Letting a klutz like Kent on the field. But he seems so determined. Of course, with the treatment I told the boys to give him, it shouldn't take long for him to get discouraged. Hmm. Not a, and he you know, jumps, kind of jumps up and catches the ball, and it's, hmm, not a bad interception. But no one can. It's got to be beginner's luck. Huh? Scratch that. Luck's got nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah, Clark's going with the ball, and he's taking everyone out as he goes. Um, I don't know how he was able to hide it all these years, but that kid's the best natural running back I've ever seen. And Clark's thinking, chuckle, they don't know it, but in the time it's taken me to run down the field, I could have made about a 1,000 touchdowns at super speed. Unless I hold back every now and then, nobody will ever be able to catch me. Well, Coach, how'd I do? Fantastic. Where'd you learn to play football like that? Nothing to it. Can I assume that means you want me on the team? You kidding? Short of getting Gail Sayers to play for us, you're my number one choice. Report for practice in the morning. Shortly in the team's locker room, uh, Clark thinks, oh, now this is more like it. Not only do I have a date with the most popular girl in school, but I'm on my way to becoming a star as Clark, as Clark, not Superboy. Superboy, ha. It's about time I put that sap out of my mind. From now on, I live as myself and not some costume free. Gasp. I feel so weak suddenly, like my insides are going crazy. Got to see what's happening. And he uses his x-ray vision. He's great. Krypton. My x-ray vision shows my bones and muscles are turning into metal. I'm becoming a robot. This is too much. First, I go around town acting crazy-like, and now my body's going through some sort of incredible change. There's no way these, these things aren't connected. Maybe it's the shock of seeing what's happening to my body, but for the first time in days, I'm thinking like myself again. I better use whatever time I have uh, in my right mind to figure out what's going on. So he gets into the lab uh, downstairs in the basement at the Kent house. 
This is the blood sample I took for myself. It tells the whole fantastic story. I haven't turned completely metallic yet, but if this alien microorganism I found in my system works fast, it won't be long before I do. I don't think the microbe is responsible for the change, but I bet is it's a cause behind my weird behavior, and that has lowered my super resistance to allow the change to be made. Real. When I kissed Ma, I must have infected her with the same organism, and now that's what's making her act so weird. What could does nothing was knowing this do me since I haven't the slightest idea how to cure myself? Ha! What am I worrying about? I guess even the new Clark Kent can still be a stucker. I've always been a teen of steel. Now I'll be literally one. And he laughs. That can't be right. All right. So um, uh, we go back upstairs in the Kent household um, and Jonathan's talking to someone on the phone. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mrs. Ferguson, uh, but Martha's still a little under the weather. Yeah, she can't come to the phone right now. Yes, I'll, I'll tell her. Bye. Lord, I hate lying to folks, but I gotta keep Martha from talking to anyone until she's over the compulsion to tell people about Clark's secret. And Jonathan Kent, now why are you telling folks I'm ill? I've never felt better in my life. Besides, I still haven't told Mabel Ferguson the good news about Clark. You really ought to be in bed, Martha. You're not... Pshaw, Jonathan, I told you, I'm fit as a fiddle. And what's wrong with being proud of Clark anyway? Choke. Maybe Clark was right. Martha doesn't seem sick, but that doesn't keep the, mean the strain of keeping Clark's identity a secret all these years hasn't finally unhinged her mind. Jonathan Kent's concern is great, what with both his wife and son seeming to have gone crazy in just a few short days. Perhaps it's just as well he doesn't know what transpires several hours later high above Earth. It is done, Commander. Commander Null. Superboy's transformation is complete. I am pleased, Science Officer Vert. Summon the Earthling here. As you will, Commander. Now the simplest of matters is to program the youth to do as uh, we bid. And then he flies up in his Superboy costume. Must have had a spare. Um, Or maybe he borrowed one from the Superboy robots. Um, Since he's one of them now. Very satisfactory. The Earthling responds to our computer-related commands instantly. He will make a formidable addition to our war against the the Timoths. And uh, so Clark lands on the ship, and they welcome Superboy, or should I call you Pawn? You are totally under command, under my command, and his skin has turned metallic as well. Is that not so? He says, yes, Master. Science Officer Vert, signal Hajun to open the warp and teleport the Vartix beam to this system. Now go now, Pawn. A device will appear inside a space warp just beyond your moon. Retrieve it and bring it here, as you command, Master. And so he flies a- across to the warp, and a big radar gun comes out, and he grabs it and takes it and puts it on their ship. Excellent, Earthling. You have performed the first stage of the operation flawlessly. Is all in readiness for him to take the Vartix beam down to Earth? Aye, Commander. Once there, I will open the warp between the Earth and Timoth and aim my beam towards our enemy through it. However, due to the immense amounts of energy the beam must draw upon from Earth's atmosphere, the base planet below will likewise be destroyed when the beam is activated. Superboy says, that's all I wanted to know. Shwam! He smashes it. By the warlords! Impossible! The youth defies our commands. Not defies, Vert ignores. You see, I was never under your control, and he Heat visions off the metal uh, thing over his skin. My seeming obedience, like the metal sheen over my skin, was all fake. I figured out your plan as soon as I noticed the change happening to me and reversed the process. I've just been playing along with you to find out your plans. Terminate the alien, my soldiers. And he lets a bunch of uh, soldiers in. And there's zapping at him. And he says, forget it. Your blasters don't even tickle. Matter of fact, they don't even work anymore. Not melted to slag like that. As for the rest of you, whoosh. He uses a super breath. I don't know how you can be of any trouble when you're on your backs. 
So if you guys are smart, you'll just give up your weapons and he takes them all away and ties them into knots. Because from the looks of things, it doesn't appear you've got anything that can stop me anyway. The way I see it, Commander, you'd save everyone a lot of trouble if you just surrender. You win, Earthling. And so he puts them uh, back into... Um, he says, that about wraps things up here. The aliens didn't put up a fuss when I disconnected their interstellar drive engines and told them I was sending them back uh, to their planet via the space warp. Still, that's as close to defeat as I ever want to come, especially with the fate of the Earth hanging in the balance. Thank Rayo, the aliens will never know just how close they came to winning, and that it was sheer luck that led me to discovering what was happening. There, a super-concentrated burst of heat vision will seal the warp, warp between uh, Earth and Hijolan forever. That's one alien menace I'll never have to worry about again. Finding the alien microorganism in my system was what did the trick. Considering the Hijolan were the only aliens in the neighborhood at the time, I knew it had to have come from them. Although for a while it didn't seem like knowing what was going, uh, what was going, uh, didn't seem like knowing that was going to do me much good. Even after I discovered it, the organism kept uh, me drifting in and out of lucidity all day. In a moment of sanity, I was able to figure out my other problems. Uh, my other problem, being transformed into a, a living robot, was being caused by a bombardment of negative electrical energy from space. I could only hope that a supercharge of positive energy would reverse the process, which brought me to the Smallville Electric and Power Company outside of town. Naturally, without my costume, I had to create a diversion at the power plant so no one would wonder how Clark Kent could do what I had to do. I used my heat vision to short-circuit a transformer box and cause a small fire. There was never any danger to people, property, or the system from it, though. While everyone ran outside... Uh, to take care of the overloaded transformer, I snuck inside, hooked myself up to the plant's turbines uh, with a special system I'd worked out. I don't know how many megavolts of pure positive charged electricity poured through me, but they did the trick. Not only did the shock reverse the flesh into metal change that was turning me into a robot, but it also burned the alien microorganism right out of my system. I never felt better in my life than when I super sped from the power plant after making sure I hadn't damaged the turbines. And things got even better still when I found my Superboy costume not far away, obviously where it had landed after I tossed it away. Obviously. But there's still one more thing to do before everything gets back to normal around here. And that can, simply be, that can be handled simply at the Smallville Sentinel. He says, hooray, Superboy looks fine, but I had faith in my super buddy. Still, it took a lot of doing to tail Clark around these last few days, carrying his costume with me, waiting until I thought he'd want it back and leaving it nearby for him to find, like I did outside the power plant earlier. What's he doing at the town's newspaper? Pete Ross can only wonder about that. Um, and um, and then the next day we get the story. So that explains it, Clark. You met Superboy just after he'd come into contact with those aliens, and he accidentally affected, infected you with uh, an organism of theirs. And the way Superboy explained it to me, Lana, the organism broke down my inhibition system and made me act weird, just like I did to my mother when I passed it on to her. Weird isn't the word for it, Clark. You were like a totally different person. Well, I'm back to normal now. Superboy cleansed both of my and Ma's systems of the... Huh? Clark, Kent, you, you creep. Debbie Wallach comes running up with a copy of the paper. How dare you kiss me yesterday? Ugh, what were you trying to do? Give me a case of outer space cooties or something? You, you nerd. Uh, does this mean our date's off, Debbie? Sigh, I guess that puts me back to square one for the dance. Clark, sometimes you are a nerd, says Lana. Or has it ever occurred to you that there is someone who'd want to go out with you? Lisa Davis? Because Lisa's standing there. She goes, hi, Clark, did you want to ask me something? As a matter of fact, yes, Lisa. 
Uh, or a matter of fact, Lisa, yes. About uh, Friday night, or if you're, uh, that is, if nobody else was going to, would you? Yes, Clark, yes. Well, how about that, thinks Clark. Uh, <laughs> something good came out of this. And it's almost like one of those things at the end of the cartoon where he winks at the screen. Uh, he doesn't wink, but it's, you know, it's, it's coming next. Um, it's the panel that they didn't put. Um, anyway, he says, it's not so bad just being Clark Kent after all. There we go. So that is um, there. You go a full a full length story of uh, of the new adventures of Superboy, which is of course the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. And um, we'll we'll uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'll be doing. I, I might be doing a Superboy next week. I haven't decided yet because I there's a couple of other things I'm thinking about giving a try to. So we we shall see. We shall see. Um, all right. Next thing is. Um, of course, after these things comes the time for um, this week in Legion history. So I'm going to find that. And there we go. Okay, so this week in Legion history. All right. Um, uh, 75, this week in Legion history, 75 years ago, um, August 6th, 1945, in a trip from the 30th century to the late 20th, uh, Cosmic Boy views a historical tape and finds out that the Hiroshima, Jap- uh, that Hiroshima, Japan is destroyed with an atomic bomb at the close of World War II on this date, which did not happen in his timeline. Uh, 35 years ago, um, now just note, um, up through August Eighth here are the timeline dates when things happened in story in Crisis on Infinite Earths. August 2nd, 1985, supervillains, including some from the 30th century, conquer Earths X, S, and 4. Brainiac imprisons the three Earths with a dimensional barrier. Um, August 3rd, 1985, Spectre stops the fighting between the heroes and villains and explains to everyone the Anti-Monitor's plan to travel to the dawn of time and and change history. August 4th, 1985, heroes and villains gather at Earth One's Death Valley and break into two groups. Heroes travel to the dawn of time to face down the Anti-Monitor, while the villains travel to the Oa of 10 billion years ago. Um, August 5th, 1985, one positive matter universe is born. In a final battle, the Anti-Monitor is destroyed, and after this, there were never, ever, ever any DC continuity issues ever again. Um, August 8th, 1985, um, Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, Number 16. While Brainiac 5 struggles to deal with uh, Supergirl's death, and Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl take Graham uh, to a baptismal ceremony, the new Legionnaires try to track down a gang of bombers. Story takes place 1,000 years to the day after Supergirl died. It could be argued that this is the final pre-crisis appearance of the Legion. Uh, 25 years ago, August 8th, 1995, uh, Legion of Superheroes, Volume 4, Number 73, Livewire's quest to find his brothers leads him back to the world of Korbal, uh, where Livewire discovers dark secrets about his powers and his sibling, featuring the lightning beasts of Korbal. Take a drink. 
All right, 20 years ago, August 2nd, 2000, uh, Legion Lost Volume 1, Number 6. Saturn Girl tries to make contact with Umbra's mind, but a backlash renders her comatose, causing Umbra to flee in an escape pod with Apparition in tow. The mental contact also created a kind of shadow creature in the Legion outpost that is mentally linked to Saturn Girl. Meanwhile, Monstrous and Ultra Boy chase after Umbra and, uh, and Apparition to the closest planet that surprisingly has a hid- hidden city. Someone rushes out to attack Umbra, considering her a hostile alien. And uh, there we go. That is uh, this week in Legion history. And uh, so, so there we have it. All right. Um, so uh, I'm going to wrap this one up then. Uh, comments as always welcome at legion of substitute podcasters at gmail.com you can join in the conversation on our facebook page which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com we are on the twitter we are losp podcast and in addition to all those things you can uh, head over to our website legion of substitute podcasters uh, dot com where you can leave a comment on this or any episode and also check out our spinoff podcast l-e-g-i-o-n-p-o-d-cast uh, in which um, uh, Murray uh, Al Sedano and myself uh, take a look at the uh, uh, we're just we've just finished Legion 89 and I think uh, well actually as you yeah, it's confusing. We record that way ahead. So anyway, uh, but we're almost at the end of Legion 89 and heading into Legion 90. So there you go. Um, so uh, with that, we make our way back into the time bubble and try and figure out what the production order is on both podcasts. And we will see you all next week.